0: All right, so we are back, and we're on. Uh, actually, we're towards the beginning of the twenty-second chapter. I believe it's fourteen. Yeah. So there's a lot of verses to read before we get to um, some of the things that we get assigned for homework, but we'll bring up a few points on the way. So this is entitled "The Marriage of Kardamamuni," and. Devahuti. So there's all kinds of interesting uh, instructions here and uh, kind of varnashram ish. You know, the Bhagavatam deals, runs on two parallel tracks, just like our Krishna consciousness does. The, well, I don't know if we say panchayat, well, but the varnash, it talks about varnashram and pure devotional service, both. So here there's a lot about married life and things of that nature. Good morning. OM NAMO BHAGAVATE VASUDEVAYA OM NAMO BHAGAVATE VASUDEVAYA OM NAMO BHAGAVATE VASUDEVAYA OM NAMO, vasudevaya. Om namo, vasudevaya. Om namo vasudevaya. So Swayambhuva Manu gets this information without uh, Match.com. Or what's the one in India? Shadi, yes, yeah, Shadi, yes, yes. Because he says, O oh, wise man, speaking to Kardama, he says, I heard that you were prepared to marry. So, you know, now it's, it's easy, to go online and you, <laughs> right. But somehow he heard it through the transcendental grapevine. Right. Please accept her hand, meaning who? His, uh, yeah, his, his, Yeah, his daughter, yes. <laughs> which is being offered to you by me since you have not taken a vow of perpetual celibacy. And Śrīla Prabhupāda talks about, in the purport, about two different kinds of brahmacharis, the Naśtika brahmachari and the Upakurvāna, one who has taken a vow up to a certain age. Like that. Um, Most devotees who join ISKCON, they they went, you know, they didn't, start from the beginning. (laughs) They took of how, you know, once they found out how important Krishna consciousness was. And then, but it usually wasn't up to a certain age, necessarily. The great sage replied, Certainly I have a desire to marry, and your daughter has not yet married or given her word to anyone. Therefore, our marriage, according to the Vedic system, can take place. And Srila Prabhupada writes, That is a great consideration, the, the fact that uh, she hadn't chosen another man. Um... Because female psychology dictates that when a woman offers her heart to a man for the first time, it is very difficult for her to take it back. And it's probably, you know, it's, at least in this day and age, it's probably not very dissimilar for a man to a woman. And there's, uh, I, I may have mentioned this before, but you know, the, um, there's songs even about this sort of stuff. Right? There's one kind of well-known song in the outside world. Uh, the, it, it's about this very point and it says the the title of the song is the first cut is the deepest so that the first uh person that you associate with it goes into the heart so <clears throat> so in, in in an ideal world um uh a marriage is arranged when uh you know it's thank you so much uh, wow that's a lot of water that's serious <laughs> um that, you know, it's the, that that the marriage has been, you know, worked out properly, and, you know, um, here, of course, the example is given of parents being involved, and some, often people uh, consult astrology, and and the idea is that, you know, first time for both man and wife, very good if that can happen. Doesn't always happen, of course, in ISKCON, where people have come to the movement maybe after having so many relationships sometimes. Um, But that's what's, uh, that's the example that's being given here. Um, Let your daughter's desire for marriage, which is recognized in the Vedic scriptures, be fulfilled. Who would not accept her hand? She is so beautiful that her bodily luster alone, uh, that by her bodily luster alone, she excels the beauty of her ornaments. And of course, we know that Krishna is a, what is it? how does it go? Bhushana, Bhushanana. bhushana, bhushana, Bhushanana, Right, the ornament and ordinance, That Krishna, He makes the ornaments look more beautiful. Most people wear ornaments to look more beautiful, but He makes the ornaments look lovely. so. He's mentioning that here about David but it's really true about Krishna, and we see that here on the altar. Our example, you were even saying how nice the uh, the uh, shingar is here, the the uh, Um and it's really Lord Ram and uh, Lakshman who are making them more beautiful. <laughs> if I was wearing one of those, it <laughs> wouldn't work. <laughs> I have heard that Vish... Listen to this. She's so beautiful that I'd heard that Vishvasu, the great Kantarva, which is a heavenly being, um, his mind stupefied with infatuation fell from his airplane after seeing your daughter playing with a ball on the roof of the palace, for she was indeed beautiful with her tingling ankle belts and her eyes moving to and fro. So that is the uh, nature of our attraction to the opposite sex, that we can be really smart, we can quote shlokas and all this, and then we become, you know, attractive. and you're just like, duh. <laughs> we can't think straight anymore. <laughs> right? What wise man would not welcome her, the very ornament of womanhood, the beloved daughter of Swayambuvumanu and sister of Uttanapad? So, you know, we have to understand, this, this is like, a, it's not, this is a huge family lineage. I mean, probably, I guess the closest thing today would, you know, if, uh, if you know, you came home and you say, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to marry, a, a girl said so I'm going to marry Princess Harry or whatever, you know, that was the closest thing, maybe uh, here, because you know these were Swayam. I mean, and that's not even a good comparison, because Swayambhuva Manu, Utnapad, they were the two great uh, Manus. You know, th- I mean, he's Swayambhuva, the Manu. You know, I mean, yeah, emperor of the whole world, and and beyond that, you know, one of the I'm an avatar, actually an avatar of the Lord, right, Manvantar, avatar. So this is like. Uh, yeah, and then look who, look who's, uh, who becomes her son. Right? The Supreme Lord. So this is like big time marriage. <laughs> Those who have not worshipped the gracious feet of the goddess of fortune cannot even perceive her. Yet she has come of her own accord to seek my hand. Therefore, I shall accept this chaste girl as my wife. on the con- now, This is important because it comes up in the next chapter. On the condition... That after she bears salmon from my body, I shall accept the life of devotional service accepted by the most perfect human beings. What that means, not, not grihasta bhakti, he's going to take sannyas. This process was described by Lord Vishnu. It is free from envy. So that's his condition. Right? When the children come, um, I go, yes.
1: So is it a correct practice?
0: Oh, uh <laughs> This was uh, special. Uh, we do have some purports. I think it's in the next chapter that talk about how a, um, a man should not stay in, in um, prehasta life his whole life, right? Um, and this, this will actually, is, it'll come up. Let's see if we have time to get to it today. But the idea behind, in those days, especially having a son, in these days, son, daughter, I mean, you know, because a daughter can also work and take care of a an elderly parent, you know, in, the old, in you know, bygone days, the man was the breadwinner, right, so it was natural that he would take care of his elder mother, right, but um, the idea was, was that, um, that then she can, the, the wife who, you know, can be taken care of very nicely by the elder, by the children, and then the, uh, um, well, let, let's take a step back before that. Um, the hope is that let's make it a little contemporary, okay? The hope is that we've set aside enough money and maybe a pension or whatever so that we can not work until, you know, our late 60s or 70s like people do today, a lot of them, right? But we can retire at a reasonable age and focus on devotional service, whether it's going to a holy place like Prabhupada writes in the first canto to hear and chant and read the Goswami literatures or whether it is... um, um, you know, preaching and doing becoming a Pajari, whatever, but being able to get absorbed in, in devotional service. As as what they call vanaprastas. So husband and wife are still together. Um but they're they're not gonna have any more children. And, you know, um a lot of the kind of niceties of household life they're not so attractive anymore. They're just kinda of like, let's get serious now. You know. Um I was just thinking about that the other day, and I'm, I'm almost 60, um, 59, and one, you know, I went to a, a brigu reader some years ago in, in um, Nathwar, and he said I'd live till 80. So who knows, I could die tomorrow, but you know, we don't know. But so even if I did, let's say, live to 80, so that's 20 more years, and I was thinking, okay, so 20 years before it was 40. And I was like, God, it seems like that stuff was just a few days ago. I better really start getting serious. I don't have actually that much time left, you know. Um, and then uh, as the vanaprastha life continues, they may decide to remain just as vanaprastas their whole life. And Srila Prabhupada writes, that's, that, that's fine if they're practicing Krishna consciousness and, and uh, helping each other in their devotional service. Um, it may also be that The uh, well, one of them may pass away, right? That's another thing, but another thing. uh, But uh, the husband who wanted may choose to take sannyas um, if he really wants to be, you know, really fully dedicate mind, body, words to the service of the Lord. And at least in ISKCON, you can't take sannyas until you have properly taken care of your family. You know, that that your wife has a very comfortable, you know, a comfortable enough place. There's either with children or some kind of other arrangement that she's taking care of the rest of her life. And then you can, and the children are of growing up age. So here, um, it's a little different, right? Because it seems like, of course, is giving birth to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, So it's a little special, like little, it's hugely special. But it seems that right soon after the child is born, he's, uh, he's taking sannyas. So generally, at least in ISKCON, that wouldn't be allowed, That basically, uh, you can take sannyas after your children have reached maturity, you know, at least 18 years old. So that's the, pra- uh, that's the practical. But did, did that answer your question? Well,
1: it, I had a subsequent question. Okay. So wife and husband, usually a wife wouldn't mind walking with the husband in poverty. So if money was, uh, money is certainly a comfort, but right. husband and wife can walk through poverty, it's yes. not necessarily the money which the woman per se desires.
2: Right,
0: right.
1: So it is the man's heart which the woman will desire. Okay. And that is where I'm coming to.
0: Yeah, well that, that's uh, true, even that there's another song about that, the Beatles sang, uh, money can't buy me love. Right? <laughs> uh, but, yes, um, and we see that with, with in Devahuti, right? She, you know, the, the next chapter, or is it the end of this chapter? Next chapter, right? That, you know, she was, she was the daughter of Amanu. <laughs> I mean, she had anything she wanted, literally, right? And then she lived in a hermitage because that's where her husband lived. And she lived very austerely, yeah, right. Um, so, yes, uh, I mean, the devotee's mood is um, if Krishna wants me to be wealthy, I'll be wealthy. If Krishna wants me, you know, I, I make I make efforts to take care of my family, but ultimately, the results aren't totally in my control. All right. Yes, Yes. That right? Yeah. But um, but yeah. That, that's uh, if if devotees are, and this comes up again later on in the uh, readings from uh, the assignments from this week. But if we're really strongly Krishna conscious and surrendered to Krishna, really feel surrendered. And surrender means um, putting things in Krishna's hands. And just, our, sur- our job is to focus on Krishna's pleasure. Krishna's job is to take care of us as he likes. <laughs> and we focus on our, on our on bhakti. That's, that's, that's surrender, uh, that's part of being surrendered. Um, there's actually six things about surrender uh, to accept things that are favorable, to reject things that are unfavorable, to consider the Lord is my maintainer, to consider the Lord is my protector, to um, really develop serious humility and self surrender. Uh, there's anukul yasya sankalpa, pratikul yasya varjanam, rakshishya titi vishvaso, gotrute varanamdata. That, what I said before is a translation of that verse. Okay, anything else on this? All right. Um, in the purport, Prabhupada writes Kardamamuni desired to beget a child who would be a ray of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One should beget a child who can perform the duties of Vishnu. Otherwise, there's no need to produce children. The idea being that uh, um, for spiritual people, they want to do everything in devotional service, including the the sex life, including the act of uh, conceiving a child. That Ultimately, uh, the mood is to bring, uh, call a pious or devotional soul um, into the world like that. So it's... um, and of course, Srila Bhakti, you know, Thakur did that, right, with, uh, especially with his son, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, who, and is the, I think the biography is called A Ray of Vishnu, yes. right, yeah, right. So we would sometimes joke, you know, when, when Gopinath was young and someone was, oh, you're a nice kid, oh, yeah, he's a ray, he's a ray. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he's not a ray, <laughs> he's, a nice, he's a good person, but. <laughs> okay. Let's go on to text 20. The highest authority for me is the unlimited supreme personality of God. So he's basically laying the groundwork. I really like your daughter. I really want to marry her, but I just want you to know um, the highest authority is the Lord from whom this wonderful creation emanates and in whom its sustenance and dissolution rests. He is the origin of the prajapatis, the personalities meant to, to produce living entities in this world. Sri Maitreya said, so remember this is a story within a story, right? So Maitreya Muni is talking to Vidura about this pastime that took place a long time ago. So, O great warrior Vidura, the sage Kardama said this much only and then became silent, thinking of his worshipful Lord Vishnu, who has a a lotus on his navel. As he silently smiled, his face captured the mind of Devahuti, Who began to meditate upon the great sage? So, um, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, the the author Krishnadas Kaviraj talks about um, how uh, I'm I'm paraphrasing now because I don't remember the exact word, but how true eloquence is the truth spoken succinctly. Right, and so here. He said, he, said, he said this, and he didn't say anything else. Kardamuni said, said what he wanted to say. you know he was conservative with his use of words and that was it. Purport's quite amazing. It appears that Karnamuni was fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness because as soon as he became silent, he at once began to think of Lord Vishnu. That is the way of Krishna consciousness. So he was talking about getting married, not necessarily totally you know the most spiritual thing, then when he said st- then, then he stopped talking, immediately started thinking of Krishna. So what's recommended for us is to get in the habit of always chanting Hare Krishna. In in, uh, some of his initiation letters, Srila Prabhupada would give initiation by letter sometimes, and then he would say, please chant 24 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, But... um, we were listening, we were talking about, uh, to Satchinanda Swami last week about this in, in uh, Govardhan Hill. And he was saying that, of course, when we're chanting our japa, or, you know, our prescribed, let's say, 16 rounds, if we're initiated, then sh- there sh- we should have nothing else to do at all during that time. Just hear the holy name. But we can also become accustomed to always be chanting. You know, in the mind, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, you can't really chant. But, you know, the idea is that to find, um, you know, driving a car whatever, you can, maybe not with your beads, that's be dangerous, but yeah. But uh, you can be, or listening to a bhajan or a kirtan, right? Um, I, uh, <laughs> as I was leaving, I was um, going from Vrindavan to the airport in Delhi a couple of days ago. So the temple, uh, if anyone knows Delhi, um, the temple is right next to uh, Nehru Place. So I stopped at Nehru Place, and I bought one. Uh, you know, everything, of course, is not name brand and things. are much cheaper, everything they're like really cheap. But I bought one of those um, um, Bluetooth speakers, right? Because I, I, um, we recently. The car that we had, the lease was up, so I bought a, a used car, a much older car, 2005, so it doesn't have all the um, sound, Bluetooth, and all that. So I bought this, so I can put it in the car and connect it with my phone, and I can be listening to either lectures or while I'm driving to work, right? uh, or driving anywhere. Yeah. So, that, so the idea is how can we, be, we can gradually at least become like Kardama, Muni by just finding the times that ought you to, to be, uh, always be chanting, always be hearing about Krishna as much as possible. It's very, very uh, purifying to do that. Any thoughts on that? Yes.
2: Uh, this reminded me of the pastime that narrated by Harisauri Prabhu about Prabhupada. Uh, Prabh- Harisari Prabhu was his personal servant so he was giving massage to Prabhupada and during that time Prabhupada was not speaking anything he was quiet so he was just going about his duty so when he was like applying the massage aisle he slipped and he almost fell on Prabhupada's body at that on the back and then he was hearing the Hare Krishna vibration coming from Prabhupada's body because he was continuously chanting sure. within his mind. <laughs>
0: well uh, one time um, was on a long flight with Prabhupada I think from India to Fiji that would be pretty long wouldn't it yeah Um, and so the devotees told him uh, that when you're with Prabhupada you should always be chanting so on the airplane he, he sat next to Prabhupada And he was—he was said every mantra he knew, every shloka, every song. He was just—and even so much that the guy behind him started complaining, like kicked his chair. Shut up with this chanting, you know. (laughs) And uh, and Prabhupada didn't say anything. Um, And then when they were getting off the plane, um, I guess Pradumna Prabhu was his Sanskrit editor, was a few rows back, and Prabhupada turned to him and said, "Uh, "You know, Burijan uh, has this very good habit of always chanting. You should take up this habit, uh for <laughs> 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 So actually when I got initiated from for we beads, yeah, I mean, now I'm giving this instruction to you, you know, the one that yeah. like that. So Kardama was he was a pure devotees are so absorbed in thought of Krishna that they have no other engagement. Although they may seem to think or act otherwise, they are always thinking of Krishna. That's a good example, you're a massage uh, example. Yeah. The smile of such a Krishna conscious person is so attractive that simply by smiling he wins so many admirers, disciples, and followers. So in another place, Srila Prabhupada says that the face is the index of the mind, right? And we we know that, right? You you look at a person, you can see when they're happy, you can see when they're sad. Um, The face is the index of the mind. Even in communications, um, when when you're talking about communicating emotions, the thing that gets communicated the most is through body language, even more than the words you say or how you say them. It's body language, so. And there's a lot of uh, examples of body language in the Shastra. Um, So many, I can't remember, no. Uh, Well, like, just the time with uh, uh, um, Sanatango Goswami. I was, was given this very fancy chutter and he was wearing it and lord chaitanya didn't really approve of it because you know he's a, supposed to be a renunciate right but he didn't say anything he just kept looking at the chutter <laughs> so just with his body language lord chaitanya gave him the hint right <laughs> yeah he understood it and then he then he went to uh, he went to this very poor man and said i'll trade you and the poor man thought he was just, you know, why, are you, don't make fun of me like that. You know, what, you just, you know, no one, no one in their right mind would do that. <laughs> and he, he did it. <laughs> okay, text 22. After having unmistakably known, uh, after having unmistakably known the decision of the queen, as well as that of Devahuti, the emperor most gladly gave his daughter to the sage. Whose host of virtues was equaled by, equaled by hers. So they were both very qualified people. Empress Satyarupa lovingly gave most valuable presents suitable for the occasion, such as jewelry, clothes, and household articles, in dowry to the bride and bridegroom. And in Pur- Purpur, Prabhupada writes, the dowry is a gift given to the daughter by the father to show goodwill and it is compulsory. So uh, we it's all screwed up in India today, right? It's a, the whole, you know, the, right? I mean, isn't it the, the, the whole mood is that you don't give it to the, the idea is that the daughter has the dowry and if there's any emergency, she, she has her own uh, slush fund, so sort to of speak, right? But now it's the uh, father-in-law, right? Yeah, the father-in-law wants take, gets you know the family the family of the bridegroom gets the dowry, mm-hmm. right? And they, and it's a whole thing. Well, how much are you going to give? You it's totally lost. Yeah, extortion. Oh, it's totally extortion. Yeah. Matter of fact, I because I, uh, I worked for the the court system in India, and I had I remember having a case once of. Uh, there's probably a lot of these, but they gave uh, a scooter uh, as a dowry. But they, but they had only made a down payment on it. <laughs> and then they stopped making the payments. And then the father-in-law wanted to annul the marriage. and <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> Interesting dowry, right?
1: compared to the population of India and the marriages happening, this dowry issues are very
0: less. What is, it's less happening now?
1: No, yeah, compared to the...
0: Previous times, yes. No, the
1: whole population compared to the population and how many incidents, Mm. it's very less. But people try to make it a big fuss.
0: Yeah, I asked my father-in-law if I was getting a dowry, he looked at me like... (laughs) 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 I didn't ask him that. (laughs) It's becoming an issue? It's, it's certainly
1: worth uh, pondering. And it's, it, it is a big issue down
0: south. If you in look South at, India? Yeah. Not south like Alabama? Well, no, not no. south <laughs> okay. like Alabama. Uh, in,
1: in India, certainly. I, I do not know about.
0: Right. But it, it's like so many things in, 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 uh, in Indian culture, Vedic culture. They had a good purpose in the beginning. And they've lost the uh, initial Purpose behind it. So here, it was a gift given to the daughter. You know, if there was an emergency or something, she could sell some of the gold, she could, you know, whatever. You know, she had uh, her own little, but that's not what it is now. It's like if you give it to the daughter, the father in law grab it, or the husband these days. Yeah. But that's a good one. I'll have to encourage people to give scooters on with just down payments. (laughs) First mortgage payment, yeah. Thus relieved of his responsibility by handing over his daughter to a suitable man, Swaiyambhuvamanu, his mind agitated by feelings of separation, embraced his affectionate daughter with both his arms. So there's so much, uh, it's appropriate that there be so much love between the father and his daughter. And you see that, um, I remember in Puri once, I was staying at the Birla guest house in Puri, and they had just, finished a marriage there, right? So the idea is that right, the, the woman leaves her family, basically, and yeah. joins another family. And there was, obviously, you can, still, you can still FaceTime and, you know, whatever, you know, Facebook or whatever. But, you know, and there was just so much crying, you know, when she was actually, when the ceremony was actually over and she was actually going, and everyone was just wailing and crying. You know? and I was like, shush, I'm trying to chant my rounds. You know, all crying. But here, he did his duty. His duty is to make sure that you know the, uh, that you, if you're, when you have a daughter, you make sure she's taken care of properly. The emperor was unable to bear the separation of his daughter. Therefore, tears poured from his eyes. Now, this is a big Chhatra king, a Manu, an incarnation of the Lord. You know, a uh, Manvantar avatar and he's crying like a child you know so it's a good it's a a good thing there's nothing wrong with men crying Arjuna was you know maybe for different reasons but you know he also uh, was uh, uh, lamenting and you know even though he's a big country Uh, and he uh, drenching his daughter's head as he cried oh my dear mother my dear daughter after asking and obtaining the great sage's permission to leave the monarch mounted his chariot with his wife and started for his capital followed by his retinue although the although the way he saw along the way he saw the prosperity of the tranquil seers beautiful hermitages on both the charming banks of the saraswati the river so agreeable to saintly persons so it was a simple thing, as we're going to learn later. There was not too many uh, pleasures, you know, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, the, the Prabhupada used to like to quote the poet, how's his name, copler C-O-W-P-E-R? Uh, who said that, um, that um, man made the city and God made the country. Right? Uh, and also we hear about the, um, where Lord Ram lived in exile, if you read the Ramayana, very beautiful descriptions about just how beautiful it was. And we heard also in uh, yesterday's class here by Ramapad Swami um, that there's nothing wrong with us seeing and experiencing the beauty of this world and, you know, the, uh, and, and connecting it with Krishna like that. Yeah. Overjoyed to know of his arrival, his subjects came forth from Brahmavarta to greet their returning Lord with songs, prayers, and musical instruments. So that's a little different than today. We won't make any political comments, but it's different than today. They were so, I mean, he was such an ideal king. And people really would love to have leaders that were strong and honest and and only their whole meditation was how to serve the citizens. You know, it's hard to even imagine a leader like that today, right? The city of Barhishmati, rich in all kinds of wealth, was so called because Lord Vishnu's hair dropped there from his body when he manifested himself as Lord Boar. As he shook his body, this very hair fell and turned into blades of evergreen kusa grass and kasa, another type of grass used for mats by means of which the sages worshiped Lord Vishnu after defeating the demons who had interfered with the performance of their sacrifices. So kushigrash is, is used in puja, in, in uh, worship. Usually the mats, I guess our mats here are probably, I don't know if they're kusha, but you get them and that's a good, um, yeah. Manu spread a seat of kusha and kasha and worshiped the Lord, the personality of Godhead, by whose grace he had obtained the rule of the terrestrial globe. Okay, now the next verse we said we, had, we should read the purport. Having entered the city of Barhishmati in which he had previously lived, Manu entered his palace which was filled with an atmosphere that eradicated the three miseries of material existence. So imagine a place, this is just a, a building, but it, it was so nice. Purport. The material world or material existential life is filled with threefold miseries. What are the threefold miseries? Don't look at the purport. Right? And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Miseries caused by natural disturbance. Miseries caused by natural disturbance. Own body and Mind. mind, much more than body other living beings oh that's mind and body very good okay so here he says miseries pertain to the body and mind miseries pertaining to natural disturbances and miseries inflicted by other living entities human society is meant to create a spiritual atmosphere by spreading the spirit of Krishna consciousness the miseries of material now listen to this the miseries of material existence cannot affect the status of Krishna consciousness. It is not that the miseries of the material world completely vanquish or vanish when one takes to Krishna consciousness, but for one who is Krishna conscious, the miseries of material existence have no effect. You see the difference? It Doesn't mean you're not gonna get a flat tire. It doesn't mean you're you know, not gonna be rich one day and poor the next or whatever. Um, it's, it's a much deeper thing. It, it's it's um, like one time, Srila Prabhupada was walking uh, on the beach in California. And they say, why do they call it the Pacific Ocean? Because he said, well, the word Pacific comes from pacify or passive, right? And he says, why is it peaceful? He says, because it's deep, right? Because it's deep. So similarly, our peace of mind or um, not being affected, by the three modes of material nature is very much proportionate to how deep our Krishna consciousness is, how deep our taking shelter of the Lord is, how deep we um, are attuned to seeing Krishna's hand in our life. How deep we're, uh, like we said, accepting things that are favorable to advancing and rejecting things that are unfavorable. Um, So it's not what happens to us that counts. It's how we react to what happens to us. It's really easy to say that sitting here on the seat and talking to a microphone. It's a whole different thing to actually practice that. But as we heard also yesterday from Ramapad Swami that um, philosophy without practical application is practically useless. Isn't what he said yesterday, right? So, this is, so, so although we may not be there and although it may take time to get there, we should work on this on a daily basis. It's not just going to pop open one day and bing, we're Krishna conscious. We have to really work at it. And it has that effect over time, just like water on a rock smooths down the rock, even the drops, perceivably you don't see it, but you try every day and Krishna helps us. So, so uh, we cannot stop the miseries of the material atmosphere, but Krishna consciousness is the antiseptic method to protect us from uh, being affected by the miseries of material existence. Um, for a Krishna conscious person both living in heaven and living in hell are equal. Um, and this was there's a famous verse, Narayana Parasarve Nakutas Tanya Vidyate, Nare Keshu, Apitu Darshanam that um, for devotee these externals is not what counts for them. I won't tell the whole story, but it's about Chitri Ketu Maharaj. Um, he was cursed. And he basically, to make a long story short, said, oh, thank you very much for the curse. You know, I can deal with this, that's Krishna's mercy. And Parvati spoke this, right, and she was just amazed. This is an advanced devotee, doesn't care, having her help. So we may not be there yet, but again, and it's hard to do that artificially, but we should be working towards that. Because when we're really deeply well, ultimately, when we're really in love with Krishna, that, uh, you know, these things don't, uh, don't mean much, right? It's like, you know, that story, um, it's used for other purposes, other, to illuminate other things, but the sage is in the forest, and the woman is running through the forest, and she sees the sage, and no, she doesn't see the sage, she practically trips over him knocks him over as he's in meditation, doesn't say sorry, anything, and just keeps running. Okay? And then a few hours later, she's coming back from the other direction and she sees the sage and she offers obeisances and you know, you know, very polite. And the sage says, what gives, you know, before you knocked me over, you know, and now you're all this humble, humble stuff. Um, she said, I I knocked you over? She didn't. She didn't. Had no recollection of it, and she explained, "Well, I was running towards my lover, and I was just totally focused on being with my lover. So I must not even registered that you were there. Now I've, you know, been with my lover. Now I'm walking back, you know, and not in that same consciousness, and I see you. Right? So when we're so in love with Krishna, not that we knock people over, but um, the ups and downs of life. They don't affect us when we're really on that level of love. So it's not love or no love; it's a spectrum. So we're working towards this direction of the spectrum, and gradually trying to surrender more and more, so that um, so and and to the in proportionately, then the um, the results of uh, material existence affect us less and less. So it's not just a light switch off or on. It's it's a light dimmer, right, where you can make it higher, lower. Any thoughts on this? It's a really wonderful purport. I have a question. Yep. Uh,
2: the miseries of material existence cannot affect the status of Krishna consciousness, is the statement made there. And there is one perspective that Prabhupada talks about. But my question is about a different perspective where say particularly for people in my level of Krishna consciousness, the situations that happen in my life seems to impact me a lot. But does it mean that the Krishna consciousness is in no way impacted, but it's temporarily covered because I am now absorbed in the tough situations that's going on in my life?
0: Well, the Krishna consciousness is like the sun and there can be clouds that cover us, it doesn't affect the sun at all, right? Those clouds have no impact whatsoever on the sun, right? We all know that when we go on airplanes, right. on a cloudy day like today, five minutes after takeoff, you're, you know, you're beyond the clouds and the sun's, you know, whatever, millions of miles away. So, so in that sense. And also, uh, it's, it's very likely that Srila Prabhupada is referring to the verse in the first canto, ahaitu ki apratyata. That bhakti can, is causeless, which means it's not affected by or influenced by material things. It, it, um, and it's meant to be, it can be in any condition you can practice bhakti. Now there's, there, there are conditions that are favorable, right? Like for example, if you're going to, let's say in your room you chant, you chant Hare Krishna, it's favorable to keep your room clean and neat. You can't say, "Well, nothing's affected by Krishna consciousness. So I'm just going to have a pigsty," you know. Uh, so are, there are things that are unacqu and pratikul, favorable and unfavorable, like that. Um, but ultimately, Krishna consciousness, Krishna is transcendental, and therefore consciousness of Him is transcendental. But it can be mixed. We know there's something called karma Mishra bhakti and gana Mishra bhakti where it's mixed. Jiva, Prabhu. Jiva, Prabhu. Hare
3: Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. That was beautiful. One of the things that I had been observing in like many years is that when I used to come to the temple in the beginning, I would forget about all the problems that were going on. They would like as if they would just leave me right outside at the steps. Yes. And when I enter the temple, looking at the details, it's mesmerizing. So beautiful and so. So I always wondered. And ever since, you know, as you take to devotional service, continue to build that atmosphere. It's not that the miseries are not trying to affect you, but you are not affected anymore by Krishna's exactly. mercy. Exactly. So when I read this particular paper, how Swami Manu created an atmosphere, that he was not affected by any of the material miseries, that's what just jumped out to me, because we create an atmosphere around us, mm-hmm. which is so much into the, you know, serving the Lord, engaging in devotional service, that we are actually transcending the three modes of material nature. And once we are at that stage, you know, even though they are happening, we learn to deal with them instead of being affected by them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank it you.
3: changes our attitude.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Anything else on this verse? Yes? Oh. Oh, no? yes. <laughs> so assuming
1: that I don't have that energy by which I I am able to influence, I am coming here for a particular reason that I am attracted to the energy of this particular place. Uh huh. To some extent, we can all agree on that. Yes. And so, should my. Sometimes, when I think, and I I mean, we all go to work somewhere. Right. And it has become a very important consideration for me whether I will find a reasonable ISKCON temple to the. wherever I. I might wherever your job takes you. Right. Yeah. And it has become an important uh, consideration at at that, and uh, also not just the temple, but the people I associated, as I associate with, they are also an important consideration. Absolutely. So now, how to? Well, I don't think it's the right forum to ask this question.
0: Okay, <laughs> but you're right. You know, um, again, one of the actually. We were saying to accept things that are favorable. And practically, one of the most important, if not the most important thing about looking for favorable Krishna consciousness is choosing our association, who we associate with. Because we're, uh, we're just like uh, um, crystals, right? And crystals reflect whatever color. Put a crystal next to something white, it looks white, et cetera, et cetera. So we're very much affected by our association. Yeah. Andy, you haven't said anything yet today. Any thoughts? Oh, you have jet lag also. Join the crowd. Where did you come from? Oh, okay. I, got, I always came from India two days ago. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming, jet lag and all. All right, so anything else, ladies? No? Yes, maybe, okay. <laughs> Then let's move on. Text 33. Right. Emperor Swaiyambhuvamanu enjoyed life with his wife and subjects and fulfilled his desires without being disturbed by unwanted principles contrary to the process of religion. Celestial musicians and their wives sang in chorus about the pure reputation of the emperor and early in the morning, every day, he used to listen to the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead with a loving heart. So this is, I was smiled when I read the purport here about how, you know, they, the Chennai players, the, the musicians, they would, they would wake him up in the morning and, and serenade him to sleep at night, you know, and that's, that's what it's like to be a king. We can do that with, just with a... Um, A phone (laughs) these days right you can download a really nice either you know a nice bhajan or a shanai if you like or whatever and just you can use i don't know about iphones but in some machines you can set them to uh, close down and after 15 minutes or half hours by the time you're asleep it's it's off for the rest of the night and you can (laughs) You know, do a modern-day version of uh, uh, what costs Swami a lot more money. Although these phones aren't cheap, but uh, but we can do that today. You know, I know uh, Birjanpu does that. He plays uh, uh, Prabhupada Bhajan, and then it goes off automatically after 20 minutes. And, and I know a lot of devotees who the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is they just have a lecture or a, um, or, a, or a kirtan. But it's good to do that because the mind is all. The mind can go anywhere. It's kind of groggy, and then all of a sudden, it's hearing hare Krishna, hare Krishna. Oh, okay. And then, you, and then the thing is, if it's a catchy tune, especially, you sing it the rest of the day, isn't it? Right. It, it's very much like that. Yeah. It just, it, it's in the mind, so it's um, it's a good practice. So we can do, what um. What Swami did with a little adjustment, a little technology. But it's, it's, it's a very good practice. Uh, uh, the custom, let's see. What does he say? It. The atmosphere created by the Sankirtan movement lives in their hearts. And while sleeping, they also dream of the singing and glorification of the Lord. In such a way, perfection of Krishna consciousness can be attained. The practice is very old, as learned from this verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. Right, so we can practice that easily today. No problem. Jai Ho Prabhu, welcome, welcome. Oh, Jai, Hare Krishna. Okay, any thoughts on that? So the, the internet is filled of all kinds of nice bhajans and kirtans and things. Okay, continuing. Thus Swayam Bhuvamana was a saintly king Although absorbed in material happiness, he was not dragged to the lowest grade of life, for he always enjoyed his material happiness in a Krishna-conscious atmosphere. Now, of course, you could quote this out of context and say, I'm enjoying material happiness in a very Krishna-conscious context. (laughs) I chant Hare Krishna before I walk into the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Like that. (laughs) And, you know... um, uh, my only football team that I root for is the Cowboys, because Krishna was a cowboy himself. <laughs> right. So I'm very Krishna conscious. But, so, you know, he was, if you, if you become a Manu, then you can do what a Manu did. <laughs> right. Any thoughts on that? Consequently, Although his duration of life gradually came to an end, his long life, consisting of a Manvantara era, that's a long time, Prabhu, a really long time, was not spent in vain since he never, um, ever engaged in hearing, contemplating, writing down, and chanting the pastimes of the Lord. Purport As freshly prepared food is very tasteful. But if kept for three or four hours, becomes stale and tasteless. Ever had that experience, especially if you don't refrigerate it? It, just doesn't, it doesn't have the same um, uh, prana, the same kind of life. There's something about fresh things that are just much better for your health. Of course, if it's prashadam, that's another thing. But um, that reminds me. I have some prashadam from Vrindavan, but I didn't bring it with me. Next week, um, I will... Um, We have to talk about next week, also, if we're going to have class um, for the Thanksgiving weekend or not. But I have some dust from Terkadamba, which is uh, the place that Rupa Goswami wrote um, the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and I can give everyone some dust. There's a nice story about dust that uh, Prabhupada was in L.A. in 1968. So you know, 1968 devotees were not very familiar about anything. They hadn't been to India or anything, and some woman had come from Vrindavan, and she said she had some dust from Vrindavan. And Prabhupada got off of the took a pinch of dust, popped in his mouth, and the something. Like, hmm. They do not know, you know, wow, that's really cool, you know. They, they do not know what was going on. You know? um, so material exists, so the existence of material enjoyment can endure as long as life is fresh, but at the fag end of life, everything becomes tasteless, and everything appears to be vain and painful, Because right? you know we're cruising along; we may be getting a little older, but we still, don't, you know, we still feel we can run up and down stairs and this and that. But when you can't do that any longer, and what's really tough is, especially, you look out the window and you see children playing, or you know, teenagers in love, or whatever. And you just lament, it happens a lot to elderly people, they just, you know, because um, uh, their, their attempts at trying to enjoy anymore were just, as Prabhupada says here, uh, vain and painful. Um, uh, old age is not for the uh, weak at heart, actually. <laughs> it's not an easy situation. But there's hope, read the next few lines. The life of Emperor Swayam however, was not tasteless. As he grew older, his life remained so fresh uh, as in the beginning because of his continued Krishna consciousness. The life of a man in Krishna consciousness is always fresh. It is said that the sun rises in the morning and sets in the evening, and its business is to reduce the duration of everyone's life. Right? This is a famous verse. Prabhupada's paraphrasing a famous verse in the second canto. vai Ayurharativaipungsang is how it, the line, the shloka sloka, begins. But the sunrise and sunset cannot diminish the life of one who engages in Krishna consciousness. Swayambhuvamanu's life did not become stale after some time, for he engaged himself always in chanting about and meditating upon Lord Krishna, Lord Vishnu. He was the greatest yogi because he never wasted his time. He was the greatest yogi because he never wasted his time. That's one of the signs of a great devotee. It's called in Sanskrit, avyakta kalatvam. that one who uses all their time in Krishna's service. It's a symptom of a devotee. It's a symptom of bhava specifically, yes. Yeah. Um, well, we won't get into that. Now, well, we'll just briefly, Rupa Goswami, so practical. Because it, sometimes you can fake being a devotee. right? <laughs> you can go in front of the deities and look all and at the right times, Haribo, right, you know, you know, how to really look like you're absorbed in the kirtan, right, or, or, you know, even uh, to the extent that in Bengal, sometimes people would put chili up their nose so that they would cry, and they could really impress people by that they were crying for Krishna, things like that, but Rupa Goswami, therefore, made very practical ways that you can tell if someone's very advanced, like you can't fake that you just, that you don't use your time in Krishna's service, right, or um, that one has a taste for always chanting the holy name. That's another one. Um, a desire to reside in a holy place. There's nine of them altogether. Very practical ones. You can, you know, you can't, you know. Of course, there's something to be said for "I uh, fake it till you make it," right? Um, you know, like, how do you become humble? Well, you know, well, fake it. You know, practice it. And eventually, you'll become. So, there's something to be said for that. But not for just doing things for adoration and for people to think you're a great devotee. Um, so here, now that doesn't mean, our, again, it's that point, it doesn't mean that our bodies won't deteriorate as we get old, but a mind fixed on Krishna can deal with that, just like uh, when Srila Prabhupada was towards the end of his life, most of his disciples were still in their 20s, and he looked at them and he said, don't think this will not happen to you, Right? And then he said, uh, when I was young, I was very fit. And then he went like this, and he said, now, flat tire only. <laughs> right. thought, but he was, you know, um, and doctors would say, the doctors would say in Vrindavan, those last days, that an ordinary person would be in excruciating pain and would require morphine and things like that, but uh, they couldn't, because the skin and the the bone and the skin were just, you know, there was no, 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 nothing left. Um, They were just shocked at how Prabhupada was able to uh, transcend that pain. Doesn't mean that he didn't feel it necessarily. Transcend that pain. That's, well, that's another whole other thing. But that is a... Because in Vrindavan, we've seen, when I lived there, so many devotees leave their world. And actually, pain management for a devotee is, is a very important and a very subtle thing. Because you want to not... You know, we're not Prabhupada, right? So you want to be in not enough, not so much pain that you can't think of Krishna. But you don't want to be so drugged on things that you can't think of Krishna. Right? So that balance is... A, is a tricky one to achieve in the last days of our lives. Any thoughts on this? Okay, gosh, we actually still have time. Uh, He passed his time, which lasted 71 cycles of the four ages. Okay, so like I said, he lived a long time. (laughs) Always thinking of uh, Vasudev and always engaged in matters regarding Vasudev. Thus he transcended the three destinations. Now he doesn't live anywhere near as long as Brahma. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada mentions how Brahma's life is like a lightning flash in eternity. So we may think this is a long time. We may think that this class is a long time. <laughs> oh my God, when is it going to be over, right? But uh, time is all relative. Right? Time is relative. So for him, it may have seemed like the same length of our life for us. Yeah. Therefore, O Vidura, how can persons completely under the shelter of Lord Krishna in devotional service be put into miseries pertaining to the body, the mind, nature, and other men and living creatures? In reply to questions asked by certain sages, he, Swayambhuva out of compassion for all living entities, taught the diverse sacred duties of men in general and in different varna and ashrams. What book did he write? Manu Samhita. I have spoken to you of the wonderful character of Swayambhuva Manu, the original king, whose reputation is worthy of description. Please hear as I speak of the flourishing of his daughter, Deva huti And that's the end of that chapter. Okay. So this chapter, the next chapter probably titles it Devahuti's Lamentation. The Lamentation only comes at the very last few verses in the chapter. Right? So you ready? Seatbelts on? Okay, so we're reading up to verse seven and then talking about that. Maitreya continued. After the departure of her parents, the chaste woman, Devahuti, who could understand the desires of her husband, served him constantly with great love, as Bhavani, the wife of Lord Shiva, serves her husband. Ovidura Devahuti served her husband with intimacy and great respect, with control of the senses, with love and with sweet words. And Prabhupada mentions that this, uh, these, the, the uh, intimacy and great respect is also how we serve God, uh, Vena means with intimacy and Guaranvena means with great reverence. Working sanely and diligently, she pleased her very powerful husband, giving up all lust, pride, envy, greed, sinful activities, and vanity. Now remember, she probably didn't have those to begin with because she's, she's a mother. She's God's mother. <laughs> I mean, Kapila is going to be born of you just like you know in christianity they consider mary totally pure so you know Devahuti, mary you know they're yeah. so a lot of this is lila and or just yeah uh next the daughter of manu who was fully devoted to her husband looked upon him as as greater even than providence thus she expected great blessings from him because he was such a saintly person Having served her for a long time, she grew weak and emaciated due to her religious observances. Seeing her condition, Kardama, the foremost of celestial sages, was overcome with compassion and spoke to her in a voice choked with great love. So this is uh, um, a sign of, gratitude is a sign of a good person, right? And we should be making sure that we're, we're grateful. And if we sometimes get in an anxiety about things and worry about this and that, a good practice for our mind is to think of all the things we're grateful for. Right? So gratitude and indebtedness is a sign of a good person. So here Swain is seeing, you know, she's, she's, a, she's a princess. And she's living this life of austerity and his heart he just cracked his heart out of, uh, respect for her and uh, appreciation for the sacrifices she made to marry him and to live that, that, that kind of life. Yeah, not, not easy. So Kardemus said, O oh, respectful daughter, so can you came imagine, right? It's so respectful to his own wife. Right? O oh, respectful daughter of Swain Manu, today I am very much pleased with you for your great devotion and most excellent loving service. Since the body is so dear to embodied beings, I am astonished that you have neglected your own body to use it on my behalf. Kardama continued, I have achieved the blessings of the Lord in discharge of my own religious life of austerities, meditations, and Krishna consciousness. Although you have not yet experienced these achievements, which are free from fear and lamentation, I shall offer them all to you because you are engaged in my service. Now, just look at them. I'm giving you the transcendental vision to see how nice they are. Prabhupada writes, um, Devahuti engaged only in the service of Kardamamuni. She was not supposed to be so advanced in austerity, ecstasy, meditation, or Krishna consciousness, but imperceptibly, she was sharing her husband's achievements, which she could neither see nor experience. Automatically, she achieved these graces of the Lord. So sometimes my wife would joke if I'm fasting for a codice. and she said, "I'll take your pious credits," <laughs> and then uh, she'd go have some alu sabji or something. <laughs> yeah. What are the graces of the Lord? It is stated here that the graces of the Lord are abhaya, free from fearfulness. In the material world, if someone accumulates a million dollars, he is always full of fear because he is always thinking, what if the money is lost? Is it not? But the benediction of the Lord, Bhagavad Prasad, is never to be lost. It is simply to be enjoyed. There is no question of loss. This is mentioned in verse 40 of the second chapter of the Gita. Krishna says there's no loss or diminution in this endeavor. <clears throat> one simply gains and enjoys gaining. Bhagavad Gita also confirms this. When one achieves the grace of the Lord, the result is sarva dukani; All distresses are destroyed. Now again, we're, we're remembering what we just said a few minutes ago, that what that means. Not that, you know, all the lights turn green all the time, but that, uh, a reaction to life. Mm, Okay. When situated in the transcendental position, one is freed from the two kinds of material diseases, hankering and lamentation, right? So thinking of, worrying about the future, lamenting about the past. That's, if you think about it, it would be really interesting if if you could clock how many hours a day your mind goes towards the future or laments about the past. I'm not talking about, you know, sitting down and consciously planning a trip to the holy dham or something like that. that. That's planning about the future, but that's a conscious effort. But often the mind just starts worrying about the future, lamenting about the past. And controlling the mind is being in the present with Krishna. And that's why in mindfulness, uh, in Buddhist practices and others, or even known, but also in, in Vedic practices, um, a lot of it is pranayama, right? And the re- one of the reasons, there's a number of reasons about the benefits of pranayama or breathing exercises, but one of them is that you can only meditate on the breathing, on the breath that you're in right now. You can't meditate on future breaths or lament about past breaths. Right, you can only think about the breath that you're actually doing right now. Right, so, you're, so it forces you, by thinking about your breathing, to be in the present. So our job, especially when it's time to chant Hare Krishna, is to be in the presence just with Krishna's name. And even if, you're, even if you thought about some crazy thing for For the last 20 minutes of your japa, you can't lament about it. it, it's forget the past that sleeps, nor in the future dream at all. This is a poem by Bhaktivino Thakur. Forget the past that sleeps, nor in the future dream at all, but be with times that are with thee, and fortune ye shall call. That's his poem. So our practice of mindfulness is to mindfully chant Krishna's name. And in general, to be very present. If you're talking to a friend, you're not like every two minutes. Oh, how you doing, Raghun? Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Amalgar can get another internet point at the Bhakti Lounge. Costs hundred dollars. Right? Very. Oh, horrible. Yeah, I'm supposed to be giving me a class. Um, to be, you know, to uh, be present is a, uh, and then present with Krishna is a strong practice in Krishna consciousness. And Prabhupada is mentioning it here. These are two kinds of material diseases, hankering and lamentation. Right? Is your mind peaceful when you start thinking about the future? Right, or, oh, I should have said this, I should have done shoulda, woulda, coulda. Right, those kind of things like that. But have you, and, and you can really feel like when you're chanting and you're actually connecting with Krishna that's when you're just hearing the Holy Name and you're focusing on the Holy Name. And you're not thinking about, oh, you know, what, what do I have to do today? Because what happens is, the mind becomes a little peaceful when you're chanting, and then you come up with really good ideas, right? Because the mind's finally slowed down just a little bit, right? But that's not the goal. I remember Ravinda Suprabhu talking about, uh, he had this one uh, professor who came to the Philadelphia temple and came to the kirtan and uh, Ravindra Superbu went up to him after the, after the kirtan and said what do you think of the kirtan? He said oh it was great I came up with so many good ideas <laughs> but that's not the uh, that's not the idea ultimately <laughs> it's just to be present with the Holy. but we extend that if we to all the things just like we know what when, when is the happiest time when we're at work now you might say it's 4.59 if you leave at work at five right <laughs> But it's when we're really absorbed in our work, right? And we're not like, oh, God, it's still two more hours till lunch, you know, right? When we're actually absorbed in getting, you know, things done, no distractions, we actually, there's some satisfaction because we're present and we're absorbed. And when I do a lot, I do a lot of trainings for um, uh, in, where I work. And um, uh, this is one thing I tell supervisors and senior management. I said, you know, don't bombard your employees that were working on a project with, with, you um, either emails or, um, uh, what do they call it, messages, instant messaging. Because every time they get distracted, it takes, you know, studies say it takes four to six minutes to get back to the focus that you had. And if you get five of those in an hour, that means like half of your hour's uh, base is is, uh, less productive. So just tell them, you know, you're not gonna, tell them to turn off their their, uh, email um, for the next two hours and just get absorbed in that. Project, and they'll get so much more done, right? And, and you know, a good like in a class, right? A good class is you not, you've never looked at your watch. Like, oh, wow, that's over. And a really bad class, you every two minutes go, oh my god, that <laughs> was only two minutes since I last looked at my watch. Oh god, <laughs> this is torture. So this is again how time is relative because it's the clock was going at the same speed, right? The exact same speed, right? But in one case, it seems to fly by. So a good so all, you know ultimately we want to be present all the times in all the things that we're, that we're doing, and that also now we're getting into some practical stuff, it also means trying to avoid for the most part multitasking, especially two things that take some cognitive energy, right It's one thing if you're you know you're ironing your clothes and listening to a lecture or something like that, and you can pretty much focus on the lecture, because it's kind of mind i mean it doesn 't take a lot of mental or intellectual energy to iron or to uh you know whatever um, sweep and mop a floor or you know whatever like that um, but multitasking where it, it, it actually all the research and even what here Prabhupada is saying it's it's it 's not what it 's all meant to be and and it 's really sad what happens you know. Kids these days and college students and stuff, you know, they're, they're, they're instant messaging, they're checking their email, they're, they're checking their Facebook, they're doing their homework, they're listening to some music, and they're having their dinner. <laughs> you know, right, or you know, they're shaving, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, doing five things at once. It's not a good life to live. So here, probably just saying, so the transcendental position is free from hankering and lamentation. This is also stated in the Bhagavad Gita After devotional life begins, we can achieve the full result of love of Godhead, love of Krishna. Uh, Love of Krishna is the highest perfection of Bhagavad Prasad, or divine mercy. This transcendental achievement is so greatly valuable that no material happiness can compare to it. Prabodhananda Saraswati says that if one achieves the grace of Lord Chaitanya, he becomes so great that he does not care a fig even for the demigods. He thinks the mon, of monism as hellish, and for him, the perfection of controlling the senses is as easy as anything. Nice. And then the last paragraph By the grace of Kardamamuni, Devi Huti experienced actual realization simply by serving. We get a similar example in the life of Narada Muni. In his previous life, Narada was a maid servant's son, but his mother was engaged in the service of great devotees he got the opportunity to serve the devotees and simply by eating the remnants of their foodstuff and carrying out their orders, he became so elevated that in his next life, he became the great personality, Narda. So this is uh, proper. this is the secret. If you want to know, okay, how do you, what's the secret to really become spiritual? You find people that are spiritual and you serve them. Right? And the simple example that we've given so many times is that um, Prabhupada gave this example in Juhu. Juhu in, in Bombay, it still is a well-to-do area, especially by the beach, right? They're, those are very expensive houses right by the beach there. So if you see a very rich man um, walking on the beach with his, uh, or rich, rich woman either, uh, with their child, son or daughter, and what can you do to satisfy that man? He probably has three Mercedes and, you know, um, you know, he works at, what is that, Naimerman Point, right, you know, uh, and, you know, runs Videocom or something like that. Uh, <laughs> big, you know. <clears throat> I know the owner of Videocom, that's why I mentioned. It. Um, what can you offer him, right? But if you take a, a, a two-rupee, you know, or a ten-cent uh, candy and you give it to the child, then the father or mother becomes so happy, Right? So similarly, what can you give God? He owns everything. right? But if you serve someone who's beloved to God, then he becomes very, very pleased, even if it's, you know, it's a small thing. It becomes very, so this is the secret of success. Is, and you can imagine a community that is all built around serving one another instead of outdoing one another. I was reminded of this uh, song that I knew when I was growing up Maybe I mentioned it before, by the Oak Ridge Boys. Did I mention that? Uh, The Oak Ridge Boys is a a group that, they they did a lot of gospel music, right? Remember them, Henry? And so they had this one song uh, that goes, uh, oh, and and I guess I have to explain where the rhythm guitar is not a very fancy guitar playing. You just kind of stroke, you know, it's, it's simple, right? So the song goes, nobody wants to play rhythm guitar behind Jesus. Everyone wants to be the lead singer in the band. <laughs> and then the next line, it's hard to get a grip on what's divine when everyone's pushing to the head of the line. Right? So if everyone's trying, you know, if we have a community where everyone's trying to be the big mahant or the big devotee, then that's, that's not very nice. But if everyone wants to serve one another, right? And they say, they, they, they think, you know, that's so I'm your your servant, I'm at your, you know, that creates such a a spiritual atmosphere in a community. So we're trying to create that atmosphere here where people are in the mood of serving one another. And therefore we have the Sunday Serve program and there's opportunities to serve. Um, It's a great thing to serve a, a devotee of the Lord. And it doesn't have to be the big, big, you know, sometimes we'll serve our guru, right, or, you know, sannyasi, right, and and everyone else we treat like you know chump change or you know <laughs> you know you know unimportant but 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 oh Grude horrible and ah get out of here you know right so no even Jesus said the the way you treat the least of me that's how you treat me so we don't even have to you know we may we may serve people differently if we have more knowledge we may serve a younger devotee by giving them knowledge right and we will serve appear by developing friendships and will serve a more uh, senior person by offering service. But still the mood of service is there although it manifests differently according to relationships. And that's important, relationships are so important. We, you know, just just like in Hindi, or I guess in Sanskrit as well, right? The relationships are so important that you have a different name for different like uncle, maternal uncle, paternal uncle, right? You know, and uh, I remember when I first moved to India, and this person introduced me to like all these people that were his brother. And I said, How many brothers do you have? (laughs) And I didn't realize that often you'll say your cousin is your brother, also, right? You know, (laughs) Um, like that. So, So, this is a very important instruction here. Any thoughts? Okay, should we continue then? All right, the next verse is verse 13, so we'll go to... Kardamuni continued. What is the use of enjoyments other than the Lord's grace? All material achievements are subject to, the, to be annihilated simply by the, a movement of the eyebrows of Lord Vishnu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. By your principles of devotion to your husband, you have achieved and can enjoy transcendental gifts very rarely obtained by persons proud of aristocracy and material possessions. So she came from aristocracy. She came from material possessions. He's saying, listen, you know, um, you're, you're, now you're going to get the Lord's blessing, which is much greater than, than that. And I like this one sentence in the purport Krishna prema, Krishna consciousness, is the highest gift which can be bestowed on anyone whom we presume to love. So if you really love someone, you don't just, you know, love is a verb. It's, it's often in Bollywood and in Hollywood, it's treated often like a noun, <laughs> right? It's something that just kind of happens to you. You fall in love, right, in story art. And then there's a whole dance. If it's Bollywood, then there's a dancing, right? If, uh, if it's uh, Hollywood, they walk off into the sunset. Um, but actually, love is a verb. It's something you have to, whether, even in a husband and wife or children and parents, that's something, it's a verb also there. You have to work on it. Right? It's something that you work on, relationships. And what to speak of our relationship with Krishna. Uh, bhakti is a verb. Prema is uh, something you work, it's a verb. Love is a verb. Okay? Anyone, anyone want to talk about th- Grammar, verbs, nouns, adjectives. Upon hearing the uh, speaking of her husband, who excelled in knowledge of all kinds of transcendental science, innocent Devahuti was very satisfied. Her smiling face shining with a slightly bashful glance, she spoke in a choked voice because of great humility and love. And she said, My dear husband, O best of the Brahmanas, I know that you have achieved perfection and and are the master of all the of infallible mystic powers, because you are under the protection of Yogamaya, the transcendental nature. But you once made a promise that our bodily union should now be fulfilled, since children are a great quality for a chaste woman who has a glorious husband. She continued, My dear Lord, I am struck by exciting emotions for you. Therefore, kindly. Make what arrangements must be made according to the scriptures so that my skinny body, emaciated through unsatisfied passion, may be rendered fit for you. Alas, my Lord, please think of a suitable house for this purpose. And uh, Prabhupada in one of the purports even says that you know, the Vedas talk about all kinds of things. Uh, and even you know, there's something called the Kama Sutra which talks about the kind of things that uh, that Devahuti is talking about here. Uh, Maitreya continued, Ovidura, seeking to please his beloved wife, the sage Kardama exercised his yogic power and instantly produced an aerial mansion that could travel at his will. It was a wonderful structure bedecked with all sorts of jewels adorned with pillars of precious stones and capable of yielding whatever one desired. It was equipped with every form of furniture and wealth which... Tended to increase in the course of time. Prabhupada writes The castle created in the sky by Karta Mamuni may be called a castle in the air, but by his mystic power of yoga, Karta Mamuni actually constructed a huge castle in the air. To our feeble imagination, a castle in the sky is an impossibility. But if we scrutinizingly consider the matter, we can consider that it's not impossible at all. If the supreme personality of God can create so many planets carrying millions of castles in the air, a perfect yogi like Kardama can easily construct one castle. (laughs) Um, 14 and 15. The castle was fully equipped with all necessary paraphernalia and it was pleasing. Oh, we're almost done. In all... Uh, seasons. It was decorated all around with flags, festoons, and artistic work of variegated colors. It was further embellished with wreaths of charming flowers that attracted sweetly sweetly humming bees, and with tapestries of linen, silk, and various other fabrics. So we'll continue. Um, next What we're going to hear next is... um, something that would put, uh, what's her name, Oprah Winfrey to shame, <laughs> right? You know, she does these makeovers, right? She's done that for years on her TV show, right, where she takes someone who's not kind of very ordinary looking and then decks them out. So Hoti's uh, going to get Maha Maha makeover and be uh, restored to her, her original beauty, but we'll have to stay tuned for that. So um, how many of you are going away someplace next weekend and won't be here? Okay, so um, not everyone. So we'll have a class. And for those of you who want either, um, it'll be on SoundCloud. And you can listen uh, later on. But it will have a class next Sunday then. Okay, so have a wonderful turkey less Thanksgiving. <laughs> right? Or tofu, tofu turfy, or something like that. Yes, like that. Um, and uh, we can give thanks on Thanksgiving we can give our thanks ultimately to Krishna for uh, everything that uh, we have in practice uh, gratitude so thank you Hare Krishna all glories to Srila Prabhupada